Hey there, good morning. Welcome back to the Christopher Gabinator Show. I just saw a troubling headline about a Trump-appointed judge refusing to put Steve Bannon in behind bars. What's going on here? Let's check this out. So the rule of law took a direct hit today from Trump-appointed judge Carl Nichols. 17 hours ago. Let's talk about that. Because justice, justice matters. matters. It does, Glenn Kirshner. Thank you for all you do. Shout out to KAMP Student Radio and KPYT, Pascoyaki Tribal Radio. On the Res Trista Show. So one of Donald Trump's criminal associates, Steve Bannon, was sentenced today. Four months in jail. Here's the headline. It's supposed to have four months. Politica. Bannon gets four months jail term for defying January 6th committee subpoena. But again, not really. Here's how the headline should have read. Trump appointed judge refuses to jail Steve Bannon for his crimes against Congress and the United States. Let's recap. Steve Bannon, in his criminal determination to hide evidence of Donald Trump's crimes from Congress, and by extension, from the American people, and Justice blew off, defied, virtually spat on, a congressional subpoena. Congress voted him in contempt, referred him to the Department of Justice for prosecution. A grand jury indicted Steve Bannon. Prosecutors tried Steve Bannon. A jury convicted Steve Bannon. And today, Steve Bannon was supposed to not only be sentenced to prison, but was supposed to be delivered to prison. But Trump-appointed judge Carl Nichols had other things planned for Trump's criminal associate, Steve Bannon. Carl Nichols sentenced Bannon to four months, but he said, oh, you can remain a free man, pending appeal, which, mind you, friends, could take years. Oh, my God. You know, if Steve Bannon was a young man of color who sold a rock of crack or snatched a purse, he'd be in prison tonight. Heck, he probably would have been detained pending trial. But Steve Bannon is a wealthy, white, influential, connected criminal associate of a former president of the United States. So he gets to go home tonight. What the So today, fuck? friends, I was embarrassed. I was saddened. I was sickened by our criminal justice system. Shit. Because Trump appointed Judge Carl Nichols defiled, degraded, demeaned the rule of law today. To Fuck him, him. Justice, Fuck you, Carl Nichols. equal justice Suck it. does not matter. <laughs> Friends, as always, please stay safe. Please stay tuned. And I look forward to talking with you all again tomorrow. Shit.
Right. He was visibly pissed off. Me too. It's fucking outrageous. Tired of shit. Go fuck yourself, Carl. Judge Carl Nichols. I'm going to um take a screenshot. Trump-appointed judge refuses to jail Steve Bannon for his crimes against Congress and the United States. Let's recap. Steve Bannon, in his criminal... ...to hide evidence of Donald Trump's crimes from Congress and by extension from the American people, blew off, defied, virtually spat on a congressional subpoena. Congress voted him in contempt, referred him to the Department of Justice for prosecution. A grand jury indicted Steve Bannon. Prosecutors tried Steve Bannon. A jury convicted Steve Bannon. And today, Steve Bannon was supposed to not only be sentenced to prison, but was supposed to be delivered to prison. But Trump-appointed judge Carl Nichols had other things planned for Trump's Barack criminal Obama, associate, Steve Bannon. Uh, talks Trumpism, advice for Democrats, Ukraine and Russia. I can't take what's going on in this country. In states like Me either. Fucking sucks. This country sucks. And Welcome the to Planet America. I'm John Favreau. I'm John Lovett. I'm Tommy Vizor. I'm Dan Pfeiffer. And here's our interview with President Barack Obama. Well, welcome back to Positive America. Thanks for doing this. It is great to be with you guys. Good to see you. All right, we're going to start with the midterms. We're gonna start, of we're course. Get, we're getting serious here. Yes. So these midterms, are ha like 2010, are happening in, we would say, a suboptimal economic environment. <laughs> but sort of unlike 2010, Democrats have a handful of pretty powerful arguments that seem to be moving voters about who Republicans are. Right. On one hand, you got a bunch of big lie believing insurrectionists. You can say so that's one argument. Right. Another argument is about extremism on abortion, gay marriage, contraception, et cetera. Right. And then also Republicans who want to get to, back to Congress to cut taxes for the wealthy, pay for it by cutting Social Security and Medicare. You're about to get out on a campaign trail. Yeah. Do you think there's a way to sort of weave those things into one narrative about the stakes in this election? Well, look, I think the first and most important issue is, are we going to uh, preserve and hopefully strengthen our democracy? That, that, that's sort of a baseline uh, question. And uh, I believe that given how at least Republican officials have behaved, they increasingly um, 
are willing to subvert basic <laughs> democratic procedures, right? Like, let's count votes. Uh, let's make sure that people are allowed to vote. Let's make sure that uh, whoever gets the most votes has the most seats and that uh, if they get the most uh, votes in Congress, that you can pass laws, right? Basic stuff like that, they don't increasingly seem to believe in. And, and so that's the sense of urgency that I have. Now, I think for the average voter out there, we can talk about specific issues that are important to them. And this has been a long-term battle that we've been having between Democrats and Republicans. And that is, do we create the kind of economy that gives everybody a fair shot and that, uh, grows the economy in a way that is good for not just a few, but the many. And the great thing that I think we have going for us is, is that even with really slim majorities, what we've shown is, is that uh, we can deliver. You know, the Biden administration has accomplished a lot. Right? You've got a historic infrastructure bill that's going to help rebuild America and create jobs all across the country. You've got uh, uh, Inflation Control Act that has lowered prescription drug prices, has made sure that uh, health care is even more affordable through the ACA, that is looking at lowering energy costs. You've got a gun bill that is the first major piece of gun safety legislation that we've seen in 30 years. Um, you know, across the board, what we've seen is, is that when Democrats have a working majority or even a really slim majority in Congress, um, they can make people's lives better. And, and so I, you know, if you combine the, the deep concerns about our democracy with the concrete accomplishments that uh, this administration have been able to deliver because we had uh, a narrow majority in, in both the House and the Senate, uh, that should be enough to inspire people to get out. Now, there's one last piece of business that I think has been on a lot of people's minds, and that's Dobbs, right? The overturning of Roe versus Wade. Because what that also indicates is that a lot of rights that we've taken for granted, one, one through enormous struggle uh, and uh, mobilization uh, over the last 40, 50 years, those aren't rights that we can take for granted. So if, if Roe versus Wade can be overturned, then it's, it's likely that a significant part of this Supreme Court is less concerned about issues of privacy and, and personal freedom generally, which means that LGBTQ rights can be at risk. It means that uh, the basic uh, precepts about you know, the state staying out of how we think about family and relationships, that those are all called to question. Uh, and that's been interesting talking to, I think, a lot of young people who, even though they thought, even though they were frustrated with the lack of progress in some areas, they had never gone through the experience of seeing us go backwards on a big issue. And it's a reminder that democracy is fragile. 
but you have to tend to it. You have to fight for it. And this midterm election, I think, is going to be a moment in which, um, you know, that battle has to be joined, and that, that means people have to turn out. So Donald Trump has made himself a, a central character in these midterms. He has. He has. Um, he's made it pretty clear he wants to run again. Even if he doesn't, Angry he's clearly remade the Republican the Party US in Department his image. Of mess, of um, what have, what lessons have you learned in the last couple of years about how we can defeat not only Trump, but Trumpism long term? The thing that I think sometimes we uh, seem to make mistake on is um, his behavior can be so outrageous. And now um, folks who try to copy him. Uh, and his outrageous behaviors get a lot of attention. And so we join that game and we spend enormous amounts of time and energy and resources pointing out the latest crazy thing he said or how rude or mean you know, some of these Republican candidates behaved. That's probably not something that... that um, in the minds of most voters, overrides their basic interests. Can I pay the rent? What are gas prices? How am I doing with child care, et cetera, right? And I think we saw in 2016, understandably, because we hadn't seen some of that behavior before, we thought, well, if we point that if, out, that'll if, be if we point that out, that's going to be enough, yeah. right? And, and I think that what we all should have learned over the last several years is that... Um, it is an advantage for our candidates to be decent and uh, thoughtful and well-informed and, and all those things. And I think uh, we've done a great job recruiting uh, tremendous candidates for Senate governor's races uh, on down the ballot. So that helps, right? And, and that should give us an advantage. But we shouldn't assume that in any given election, it's a character test alone. We are going to have to engage in the issues and make very concrete arguments to people that, look, if you have a democratic majority, then you're more likely to uh, make sure that uh, you know, you're getting paid the living wage and that you have basic protections on the job and that uh, if you're still going to school, uh, that it's going to be affordable. And you know, if uh, you get a job that doesn't give you health care on the job, that you're going to be able to afford uh, to get uh, health care through uh, the Affordable Care Act, and the subsidies are going to be ones that you know uh, allow you to keep some money in your pocket. You know, those are the kinds of arguments, I think, that ultimately we still have to make, even when uh, just by how we act and how we behave, uh, we're also modeling you know, uh, a better way of, uh, of doing politics. So one challenge that the Democratic Party has had since you left office is we keep doing worse with voters who don't have a college degree. Right. And at first it was white voters. <sighs> and the theory behind that was uh, perhaps racial resentment was driving that. Now we're seeing no, Latino voters up their races leaving the party or voting Republican and even some black voters as well. Right. Um, New York Times just ran a story 
about the 250-page unpublished... Of, uh, they're afraid of beautiful black women. Yes, this was very random. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's amazing. I didn't know that. <laughs> One thing you guys know about me, I've been pretty consistent. You know, I, uh, that's, what, that's what I took away from reading it yeah. and reading the story about it. Is You basically argue that Democrats need to make appeals that are based more on class than race if you want to build a durable majority. How do you think about that in light of the party's current predicament today? I have watched with great pride this country become uh, more aware of uh, the force of racism and sexism and homophobia uh, in Obama. everyday life. And I think that movements like Me Too and Black Lives Matter uh, have uh, changed the culture America. in all kinds of positive and powerful ways. You know, speaking as somebody who's got uh, two black daughters, right? I want them to feel as if as they move through the world that they're not having to put up with a bunch of nonsense that if I had a white son, which biologically might be difficult, um, <laughs> the, uh, you know, that, uh, that they'd be treated fairly, right? Um, but I also think that when we're talking about putting together, as you said, durable majorities, we have to be able to speak to everybody about their common interests. And what works for, I think, everybody is the idea of a basic equal treatment and fairness. That's an argument that's compatible with uh, progress on social issues and is compatible with economic issues. I think where we get into trouble sometimes is when we try to suggest that uh, some groups are more, um, because they historically have been victimized more, um, that somehow they have a status that's different than other people and that we're going around scolding folks if they don't use exactly the right phrase or you know that, that, that identity politics becomes the principal uh, uh, lens through which we view you know, uh, our, our various uh, political uh, challenges. And to me, uh, I think that that for a lot of average folks ends up feeling as if you're not speaking to me and my concerns or for that matter my kids concerns and their future uh, it feels as if i'm being excluded from that conversation rather than brought into the conversation uh and so that's something that that you know we all have to be uh mindful of and cautious about but um i i want to emphasize here you know, throughout so my presidency, there was never a time strong. in which we shied yeah. away from making strong arguments on behalf of groups that have been historically uh, subjugated in this country. And we didn't ignore history. But, we, but there was always an invitation to people to say, you know what? I think all of us, regardless of what your status is, want fairness and want equality and want your sons or daughters to be treated fairly. Uh, 
and 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 with respect no, and dignity. I want my and, and, and the more we're like leaning crap. into those arguments, and the less we're leaning into an argument that says um, we're, uh, you know, deserving of uh, consideration, and you guys are the problem. Whatever, however you wanted to frame you guys. Yeah, I think most people don't want to be lectured to in that way, and I think that 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 uh, that can cause us some difficulties. One thing that's also happened is you've seen Republicans try to take advantage of this, kind of damage the Democratic brand in some way. And in the last few elections, we've seen that Democratic policies like Medicaid expansion, raising the minimum wage, those things have like a 15-point advantage over Democratic politicians. Who would want to pass them right uh what do you see as the i mean you just talked a little bit about it but like how do we close that gap right how do we how do we get people to listen they seem to be more able to listen and get past polarization and misinformation when it's on the policies not the politician well i i think it is connected to what we just talked about and and, and listen i i think it's important for us to acknowledge that um what republicans and conservative media have done very cleverly is to find whatever the most outrageous examples of overwrought cancel culture is and they'll flash it on the screen as if this is the democratic party platform and um and, and because they understand this dynamic that, that we just talked about right the, the message they sell day in day out is these effete coastal liberals are looking down on you and think you're stupid and and so as a consequence, whatever they say, they don't mean it because they, all they care about is, is keeping you down and lifting themselves up. And so in light of the fact that that is constantly in the, the, the air uh, that Republicans breathe and, and voters oftentimes are exposed to, um, yeah, we got to bend over backwards sometimes to to counteract that in order to get people to hear about policy. I mean, I think there's a there's a reason why um, a guy like Fetterman in, in Pennsylvania uh, has done well among voters that some other Democrats might not have done well with, because he comes off as a regular guy, right? Yeah. And every once in a while, he says something that it's a little. Uh, you know, off script. If if he was given a speech, at, you know, <laughs> on a college campus, people might be, you know, aghast, and that's a good thing. That's a healthy thing, right? And and, and you know, I, I'm not suggesting that um, you know every candidate has to be themselves, and 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 you know, nothing's worse as we've all seen in the past of you know fight, folks trying to, you know be down with the people and, <laughs> you know i think it rules a, I, love it. I love it when they and try a, and it's, it's a little awkward <laughs> and stiff um but all of you guys were also you know with us when when we were on campaigns in and and you know i was in in places that a lot of folks thought i could not get votes because of my biography but i think what people sensed was oh this guy relates to us, right? He gets us, and 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 that uh, quality is something that I think Democrats uh, have to have to embrace and and claim. Uh, 
and 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 I think we do get into trouble. Look, I used to get into trouble whenever, as as you know, you guys know well. Whenever I got a little too professorial and you know started when I was behind a podium as opposed to when I was in a crowd, there were times where I'd get you know uh, you know sound like I was given a bunch of policy gobbledygook, and that's not how people think about these issues. They they think about them in terms of you know the life I'm leading day to day. How, how, how does politics even, how is it even relevant to, uh, you know, the things that I, I care most deeply about my family, my kids, you know, work that gives me satisfaction, uh, you know, having fun, you know, not, you know, not, not being a buzzkill, right? Uh, you <laughs> so know, that's so, a lesson for the Democratic yeah, yeah, and, and sometimes Democrats are, right? It's, it's like, you know, sometimes people just want to not feel as if uh, they are walking on eggshells. Uh, and, and, and they want some acknowledgement that life is messy and that all of us at any given moment uh, can, you know, uh, say things the wrong way, you know, make mistakes. Uh, Michelle talks uh, about her mother-in-law, or her mother, my mother-in-law, who is a, a extraordinary woman. But as Michelle points out, she's 86, you know, and sometimes, it, you know, trying to get the right phraseology when we're talking about issues, Michelle's like, that's like her trying to learn Spanish. <laughs> It doesn't mean she shouldn't try to learn Spanish, but it means that sometimes she's not going to get the words right, uh, and that's okay, right? And 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 that attitude, I think, uh, of just being a little more real and a little more grounded is is something that I think makes it, goes a long way in in counteracting what is a systematic um, this the, the systematic propaganda that I think is being pumped out by Fox News and all these other outlets all the time. Pods of America is brought to you by Magic Spoon. Cereal that's good for you doesn't have to suck. It just needs a little magic, guys. A little magic. It's time, time to try Magic Spoon cereal, the cereal that tastes good and is good for you. Magic Spoon has replicated your favorite childhood cereal to taste good and be good for you. Each serving contains zero grams of sugar, over 13 grams of protein, and less than five grams of... Today's interview, Steve Hankey, professor of applied economics at Johns Hopkins University. Uh, he was on President Reagan's Council of Economic Advisors. Now, now uh, Professor Hankey vocal critic of the Fed, as I am, but I think from different directions. Uh, he thinks they're doing a bad job of taming inflation because they're not dealing with the... I'm Adrian Fontes, and I know what it's like to make important decisions. I made the decision to protect our country by enlisting in the Marine Corps. I made the decision to become an attorney and prosecutor. And I made my best decision when I became a father. I decided to become county recorder to make voting safer and easier. Now we have a decision to make. Our elections should not be controlled by extremists. Vote Fontes for Secretary of State because democracy is a decision. Paid for by Fontes for Arizona, authorized by Adrian Fontes. The sugar over 13 grams of protein and less than 5 grams of carbs. It's a oh, low-carb, keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free way to relive those Forcing moments me to watching your favorite stupid cartoon. Fucking Plus, uh, 140 calories a serving. It's like there's magic in every spoonful, guys. That's uh, the name. We eat keto cereal in the red states, and we worship an awesome god in the blue states. <laughs> with over eight <laughs> unique flavors. You won't get bored of feeling good with Magic Spoon. Yeah, they got uh, cocoa, fruity, frosted, 
peanut butter, blueberry muffin, maple waffle, honey nut, cookies and cream, and cinnamon roll. It's better than the uh, the other adult cereals. They're like uh, muesli made of tree bark. No one wants that. You want your frosted magic spoon. That's what I've been eating. Uh, head to magicspoon.com slash crooked to grab a custom bundle of cereal and try the magic for yourself. And be sure to use our promo code crooked at checkout to save $5 off your order. Magic Spoon's so confident in their product, it's back with 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash crooked and use the code crooked to save $5 off. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. Positive America is brought to you by Hold On Bags. Plastic. It's everywhere we look, and not enough is being done about it. A hundred billion plastic bags are used and then thrown away every year. The plastic bag you see in the gutter or floating in a stream or washed up on the beach, multiply that by a hundred billion. Yikes, right? That's a lot of billion. I don't see enough streams in my life. I, does this remind you of The Graduate? That speech? A little bit. Yeah, that's what I said last night. You did say last night. You weren't there. I, I, you, I was there. You, we, to the show. Uh, you were just on the Zoom. There's a better way. It can start with a better bag. Hold On is a company born from the idea that there must be a better way to go about our daily chores. Trash bags and kitchen bags are necessary staples, but do they need to be 100% plastic? They do not. Hold On wants to be part of the growing movement away from single-use plastic, which, if you ask most experts, is the single worst kind of plastic. At every stage, production, disposal, and decomposition, plastic bags are doing harm to our earth, our water, and even our bodies. To shop plant-based bags and replace single-use plastics all over your home, visit holdonbags.com crooked or enter crooked at checkout to save 20% off your order. Sustainability has never been more simple. That's H-O-L-D-O-N bags.com crooked or enter crooked to receive 20% off your order. Small things can lead to lasting change if we stop and say, hold on, hold on, hold on. Thank you, Hold On, for sponsoring this episode. Pods of America is brought to you by Lomi. Talk about how much garbage you take out in food waste. A lot. It's like oh, mostly So much waste. garbage. There's all this food waste. What are you gonna, and then, then I got Lomi. And my life Lomi. changed. Life changed forever. Lomi allows me to turn my food scraps into dirt with the push of a button. Lomi is a countertop electric composter that turns scraps to dirt in under four hours. Is this just like a little wood chipper, John? It's a wood <laughs> No. I used to have lots of garbage. Now I have lots of dirt. That's great. Lots of dirt. What are you growing? Uh, flowers, plants. There's no smell when it runs. It's really quiet. Thanks to Lomi, I have way less garbage each week. You know who loves their Lomi is Priyanka Arabindi. Raves about it. Really? Yeah. Has been growing stuff. <laughs> Use it every day. No, I'm serious. Wow. Super into it. What are you it's growing, cool. Priyanka? What are you growing, Tell Priyanka? Us. She's got a green Tell thumb. Us. Thanks Send to us Lomi. A message. If you want to start making a positive environmental impact or... Just make cleanup after dinner that much easier. Lomi is perfect for you. Head to Lomi.com slash crooked and use the promo code crooked to get $50 off your Lomi. That's $50 off when you head to L-O-M-I.com slash crooked and use promo code crooked at checkout. Food waste is gross. Lomi is your solution. You'll want to move quickly. Is there over 80% sold out for October already? Get moving. Pods of America is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Well, the midterm elections are here, and I hope you're ready to vote. Because all 435 seats in the House of Representatives and 35 seats in the Senate are up for grabs. Of course, we need to fill these roles with the most qualified people, which is not an easy yeah. task. I have bad news for you, ZipRecruiter. We're not going <laughs> to hit our f***ing targets. <laughs> Some of these jobs are going to be filled by real bozos. But not every role has to be that difficult to fill, especially if you're hiring for your business. That's because there's ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter does the work for you. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash crooked. Feels like uh, feels like the Republican Party should have done a little zip recruitering for yeah. the Georgia Senate race. It's, <laughs> yeah. It is like it's funny if it was this really were like a job interview. It's like all right, I'm down to my final two candidates: a morally upstanding uh, astronaut and a right wing <laughs> nut who used to email anti democratic screeds to his food co op. <laughs> 
<laughs> so hard to pick. It's going to be close, this one. <laughs> how does, does ZipRecruiter make hiring faster and easier? First, when you post your job on ZipRecruiter, it uses powerful technology to find and match the right candidates up with your job and then sends them to you. Uh, then you can easily review these recommended candidates and invite your top choices to apply. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. So if you want a better way to find great people for your team, try ZipRecruiter for free right now at the special URL, ZipRecruiter.com slash cricket. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash C-R-O-O-K-E-D, ZipRecruiter.com slash cricket. Then elect to take some time for you because you've got ZipRecruiter to help. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. I don't know that you know this, but we used to joke that you would always insist on saying that the Recovery Act was divided into three parts. And we used to we used to think, oh no, he's going down the Recovery Act is divided into three parts thing again. It's it's I feel you? terrible about that now. And, <laughs> you know, I'm sure that's why we got clobbered in twenty ten. I just want you guys to know that we talked about that in the last interview that we did at the White House. <laughs> oh man. Well, it's been a long time. Yeah, I think it's worth clear, clearly love it's been traumatized by this whole thing. We still have PTSD. I think about it sometimes. Yeah. You know what's funny? You 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 brought up Fetterman. I mean, Fetterman saw something in your campaign in 2008 because I think he was like the only elected official in Western PA that yeah, endorsed us. That's exactly right. And what, like, do you think he's doing, what do you like about him? Is it the look or is it the, like? I, 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 words like authenticity get overused, but um, the, the thing I love about Fetterman and you see it in a lot of our other candidates is you feel as if when you're talking to them that you're having a normal conversation and they have some sense of how the rest of America lives. Yeah. <laughs> right? Grounded. They, they, Not a lot to ask. It, it, it's, it's, it's pretty basic, right? You, you, you feel as if if that guy walked into a diner, sat down, and you started, you know, uh, just you know, talking about whatever issues came to mind. That you might not agree with everything he said, but you'd feel as if he had a point of view that was informed by his real life experiences, that he was honest about what he believed, that he'd be open to potentially changing his mind if, you know, uh, you made a good argument, um, that there are certain values that he cares about uh, and that he cares about people. Right. Uh, and and now now why it is that um, those qualities don't seem to always apply to um, successful Republican candidates? What's going on there? I don't know exactly. Yeah, sorry. Um, but I I suspect, and I've talked to you guys about this before. Again, it's 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 the degree to which uh, conservative media. Uh, just has a lock on how people are presented and and sort of the dominant narratives there are, are, are so powerful that you know people will vote for DeSantis even if I'm not sure that they would really have a great time. He doesn't he does not seem like a lot of fun. No. <laughs> hanging out with that guy. I think it's gonna be a problem for him. It's gonna be a problem for him. You know you're yeah. you can't just sound like Trump. Do you want Trump without the charisma? Yeah. <laughs> a couple of them have tried that. Yeah. He's a real yeah. piece of work. Um you guys will forgive me. I wanted just a little a couple international questions. Yeah man look look okay, uh, you. you know 
you, you count too. You matter. Thank you so much. I appreciate yeah. that. As seamless as the transition in the State of the Union. <laughs> <laughs> as we're strong at home, so are we strong in the world. And then we're off. Oh two lines and back to the economy. <laughs> yeah. We got two lines. Right. So, uh, this is every day. Yeah. You were fighting this battle. I uh, listen, thank God for Ben. Um, I, I saw that you, Michelle, put out a statement in support of the Iranian protesters yeah. uh, earlier this week. I was just wondering why you thought it was important to weigh in and if you think there's lessons we can learn from uh, the Green Movement in 2009 or the Arab Spring about which of these democratic movements succeed and fail and, and why. I, I, I think uh, there's no way to predict how this plays out. And I, uh, one thing we all learned through the Arab Spring, uh, through the, the Green Movement in Iran and, and a lot of other places, is that uh, you, you can't underestimate the power of just sheer force and violence, uh, sadly, uh, and, and the re repressive mechanisms that uh, a government like Iran has in place. But there are a couple of conclusions we can draw from. Number one uh, is that uh, there is deep dissatisfaction with the Iranian regime. Um, number two, that women in particular are chafing under uh, a, a series of, of not just systematic um, discrimination against women and, and, and subjugation of women, but um, also an arbitrariness and, and a cruelty uh, beneath uh, that, that, that's exercised by the state against women, mm -hmm. uh, which has made them essentially say, uh, we're fed up, they're tired of this. Uh, and that's extraordinarily powerful. Um, whether it ends up bringing about fundamental change in that regime, I, I think is, is, is hard to predict. But I, you know, the, the, the one thing that, you know, when I think back to 2009, 2010, you, you guys will recall there was a, a big debate inside the White House yeah. about whether I should publicly affirm uh, what was going on with the Green Movement because a lot of the activists were being accused of being tools of the West right. and there was some thought that we were somehow going to be um, uh, undermining their street cred in Iran mm -hmm. if I uh, supported what they were doing. Uh, and in retrospect, I think that was a mistake. Uh, every, Every time we see a flash, uh, a, um, a glimmer of, of hope, of, of people longing for freedom, I think we have to point it out. We have to shine a spotlight on it. We have to express some solidarity about it. That doesn't mean, by the way, that the administration is, uh, that, that a, a U.S. administration uh, shouldn't be taking in a bunch of other equities into account. They have to. A president has to, right? So uh, I continue to believe that uh, the Iran nuclear deal was a really important thing for us to do to prevent Iran from getting a nuclear weapon. Had we not had that in place, I think Iran would have had a nuclear weapon by now. Well, look how well it's gone since we pulled out. Exactly, right? So you still have to make decisions. Uh, often very difficult about are, are there places where you do business with a government that is repressive. Uh, and, and that's the job of a president and 
uh, an administration uh, you know, facing a, a complicated world. Um, but our moral response to uh, the incredible courage that is taking place in Iran and, and, and those women and girls who are on the streets knowing uh, that they're putting themselves in harm's way uh, to, to speak truth to power, uh, you know, we, have to, we have to affirm what they do and, and hope that uh, it, it brings about more space for um, the kind of civic conversation that, that uh, over time can uh, uh, take that country down a better path. Uh, speaking of brutal, repressive governments, I mean, it's been eight months, nine months since Putin launched this invasion of Ukraine. Yeah. I think everyone's been impressed with the way the Ukrainians have fought, how effectively they fought. I've been impressed with how much Europe has actually yes. stepped up and, yeah. and supported them. The flip side of that success, though, is the fact that it, it appears that Russia is losing, or at least losing right. ground. Putin is getting pushed further into the corner. So I'm just wondering if you have thoughts for people who are watching this, they're inspired by the Ukrainian resistance, they want them to defend their country successfully, mm -hmm. right. but they're also pretty nervous about continued escalation and this chatter about you know Russia using a nuclear weapon. I think what the Ukrainian people have accomplished is extraordinary. And it's a testimony to not just the, the courage of a few soldiers, but th th this is a entire nation mobilizing in the face of extraordinary odds um, and, and making tremendous sacrifices. Uh, and, and Zelensky himself has, has, has risen to, to the moment in a way that you know, his biography would not have necessarily anticipated, right? So, so um, at the end of the day, uh, it is not our job to tell the Ukrainians when is it enough? How far should they go? You know, what concessions should they make, mm -hmm. et cetera? Um, that's up to them. Uh, as their allies, it is important for us to support them uh, financially, militarily, through our intelligence. Uh, we do have, how, however, uh, to be clear and honest with them about what we can and cannot do. And there are lines that we have to um, determine internally, the U.S., NATO, uh, and others, um, that take into account the risk of this tipping into a Russia U.S. NATO conflict as opposed to a Russia Ukraine conflict. Um, I'm not privy to enough of the intelligence at this stage to, and it's not my job as a private citizen to, to um, weigh in on, on where that line should be drawn. But as we're thinking about, for example, what weapons we're sending in or how we're approaching our support for Ukraine, uh, I, I think thinking about where defense stops and offense begins and how we manage that um, is something that we have to pay attention to. And I do think, you know, probably the thing that I'm, I'm most concerned about is that lines of communication between uh, the White House and the Kremlin are probably um, as weak as they have been in a very long time, yeah. even in the, uh, you know, in, in some of the lowest points 
uh, of the Cold War, there was still sense, uh, a sense of the ability to pick up a phone and, and work through uh, uh, diplomatic channels uh, to, to send clear signals. And uh, a lot of that is broken down, and I don't think it's uh, the fault of our administration. I think that we're now dealing with a, um, a type of Russian regime that is actually even more centralized, even uh, more isolated and closed off. I think Putin uh, has consolidated decision-making to a degree that we haven't seen. Uh, even uh, during the Soviet era. And, and I, that, I think, creates uh, some dangers and, and us finding ways in which some of that communication can, can uh, uh, be reestablished, I think, would be important. As we defend democratic values abroad, we, def we defend them here at home. Oh, okay. <laughs> God. We're back? I mean, smooth. That, that, smooth. That, Come that, on. that, I think, was a little better. <laughs> <laughs> I have to admit. All right. So uh, one of the things you've said since leaving office is it's your job to kind of step back and allow a new generation of leaders to emerge. Yeah. Did you intend on that to be the silent generation? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you were just saving that joke. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's typed up. <laughs> no, I the real, the real, the, the, real, the, real <laughs> the real question is, you know, yes. when, when we talked a couple of years ago, you you pointed to uh, young people that you were excited about. Are there are there are there young leaders that are in, inspiring to you, exciting to you that you're seeing? Yeah, look, look I, you know, one of the things I want to emphasize in this midterm is the importance of looking not just at the top of the ballot, but all the way down the bottom, because uh, there are governors' races, secretary of states' races. Uh, state legislative races that are going to really matter. Um, you know, when we talk about how are we going to preserve democracy, particularly at a time when the current Supreme Court, um, to, to put it charitably, does not seem as invested <laughs> in, uh, uh, in, in overseeing and, 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 and uh, uh, stopping monkey business at the local level. Uh, it becomes that much more important for us to, to make sure that we've got quality candidates and we're supporting them and we're turning out for them at every level. Uh, because it, it may turn out that in a close presidential election at some point, you know, certification of uh, an election uh, in a key swing state may be at issue. And, and it's going to be really important that we have people there who, who play it straight. Uh, so uh, so I've, I've seen a lot of talent. That, you know, there's a gap between the talent that's coming up. A lot of them are 40 and under. And then we have our, our national leadership that, over forty is over forty, <laughs> and and I, I, you know, and I and I, you know, why that gap exists, you know, uh, we can speculate. But the good news is, I think there are uh, a lot of talented uh, members of Congress, uh, young people, and I don't want to. The problem is, if I start naming somebody, yeah, yeah. then the you know, wow, you left me out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we so it. so so I don't want to do that. But but if you look at uh, the talent that's in uh, in Congress right now, uh, 
young, dynamic uh, folks who are willing to shake things up. Uh, it's really impressive, and and you know it's going it's just going to be a matter of them continuing on the path they're on and then making that leap uh, where they start getting national attention. I think it's a little harder now uh, to break out nationally than it was even when I was running, right? I mean, I give one keynote address, and suddenly I'm, I, I'm pretty well-known nationally. Um, I'm not sure, and obviously the last one was during COVID, so it, 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 we may not have tested this proposition yet, but whether with the splintering of the media, that's still possible, right? And and, um, and so, you know, one of the things that I'm hoping to do over the next um, several years is in between elections, maybe bring together some of this talent and, and see how I can lift them up and support them. Um, uh, and, and, you know, because turns out I still have like a lot of Twitter followers and that's more than power. some people yeah. although i don't really talk about it <laughs> <laughs> why, why do you think gen x didn't run do you think it was grunge <laughs> what do you think happened they just they just set the whole thing out it's weird it's a little weird it's a little weird there you go all right you done yeah, I'm <laughs> yeah. So i was supposed to keep it loose pods of america is brought to you by zbiotics we all have busy lives these days and can't afford to waste a day stuck on the couch because of a few drinks the night before that's right Zbiotics is the answer we've all been looking for. Zbiotics pre-alcohol probiotic is the world's first genetically engineered probiotic. It was vented by PhD scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking. Some really good, those are uh, some wild PhD scientists. A lot of PhD scientists waking up not knowing how they got home, <laughs> but knowing it's time for science. <laughs> Here's how it works. When you drink, alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. It's this byproduct, not dehydration, that's to blame for your rough next day. Zbiotics produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down. It's designed to work like your liver, but in your gut where you need it most. Just remember to drink Zbiotics before drinking alcohol. Drink responsibly and get a good night's sleep to feel your best tomorrow. Now, look, that's all the stuff that we were supposed to cover. Yeah. Here's the thing we have been using Zbiotics recently, and it really works. Th these guys want you to talk all responsibly and be like, when you have one and a half Chardonnays, I tied one on the other night, okay, and I took a Z-Biotic. I <laughs> felt know, amazing you know, the next day. You know, I felt fantastic. I did too. And Emily did too. We all had Z-Biotic. I've had it was multiple so friends woke up text like, me what is about this on? miracle product. Yeah. yeah. I'll tell you, there's no Z-Biotic for not being invited. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> it's too bad for me. <laughs> no probiotic to help that with that. That's okay, though. Yeah, keep going. Keep going, John. Keep going quick. quick. Hurry. Keep going quick. Give Zbiotics a try for yourself. Go to zbiotics.com slash cricket to get 50% off your Sounds like a first time. order. Is there an enzyme use for loneliness? At checkout. Yeah. Zbiotics uh, is probably, with... it's probably busy. <laughs> probably. Um, I think we're all going out tonight. We'll give you some Zbiotics for wherever you go tonight. Wait, what? Oh, tough, tough. <laughs> so you can still have some. Zbiotics is back with a hundred percent money back guarantee. So if you're unsatisfied for any reason, they'll refund your money, no question. Hey, does back. it help if you watch three survivors and fall asleep crying? <laughs> Before October twenty fourth, Halloween is right around the corner. So Halloween. order a pack of Zbiotics for you and your friends today to make sure you get it in time for Works candy so well, and cocktails. <laughs> Remember to head to zbiotics.com slash cricket and use the code cricket at checkout for fifteen percent off. Thank you, Zbiotics, for sponsoring this episode and just making us feel better. Some of us. Pods of America is brought to you by Cabinets to Go. Do people see your kitchen and say, wow? Not once. Never once. What's wrong with my cabinets? Wow. If not.
then you need to visit cabinetstogo.com to request their free custom 3D design and quote for a kitchen makeover that wows for a whole. You'd think the kitchen is the heart of the home, and according to real estate experts, upgrades to the kitchen is one of the best ways to add them. Obama on Pod Save America, Trumpism, advice for Democrats, Ukraine, Russia, Supreme Court. Pod Save America, exclamation point, Barack Obama, talks Trumpism, advice for Democrats, Ukraine, Russia, and the Supreme Court. Pod Save America, exclamation points, Barack Obama, talks Trumpism, advice for Democrats, Ukraine, Russia, and Supreme Court. Pod Save America, Barack Obama talks Trumpism. value enjoy to your home as seen on hgtv's dream home cabinets to go.com is your one-stop renovation destination they got everything you need from design to installation and with 200,000 cabinets available and ready to ship your wow kitchen can be complete in weeks that's fast not months i i love seeing the before and after photos of how cabinets to go john's a cabinet stan you know the business model of cabinets to stay wasn't as effective. <laughs> yeah, really. uh, there were the dine-in cabinets weren't as effective. <laughs> yeah, John just yeah, just on my Instagram, cabinets. my my Instagram, uh, your discover. Yeah, my discover page is just all cabinets. What's on your Facebook, Dad? What else you got? <laughs> okay, TikTok. <laughs> Visit cabinetstogo.com today. I don't think he helped himself. And see, that why, did he? and see why no one beats their prices or their transferable limited Come lifetime on, warranty. Right now, break? get a full custom 3D design of your new kitchen at cabinetstogo.com. That's a free custom 3D design. Custom 3D design. You went to the Supreme Court, yeah. and in part for the very reasons you say, the Supreme Court is now held at its lowest esteem in the history. Polls show that mm -hmm. there's tremendous distrust. Obama. Voters say it's rigged. It's political. It doesn't represent Trumpism, the majority. Democrats advice. Are you open to some reforms to try to address that challenge? Is there something we can do about that? Because we're kind of stuck with this Supreme I, Court for I, a while. I, I, I'm open to it. Um, I think it has to be thought through. I, uh, one of the arguments we made at the time when McConnell decided that he to invent a, a new principle that he then breached later uh, about uh, Merrick Garland and, and, and why the guy wouldn't even get a, a hearing or a vote um, is that 
if you start playing such explicit political games in the appointment process, it's hard for people not to feel as if this is just an extension of day-to-day -day congressional politics uh, as opposed to uh, the Supreme Court stands above to some degree those politics. And, and I think winning back that trust is going to take some time. And, I, and I'm not sure it's even going to be solved unless we solve some of the underlying polarization that, um, that we've been talking about uh, earlier. Um, I know I've been talking for a long time about f the fever breaking <laughs> in the Republican Party. It's, uh, uh, it's on the bingo card. Yeah, it's, 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 it's long and, polarization. <laughs> that was good. I like that. That uh, was good. <laughs> and uh, uh, you know, I, I, I'm under no illusions uh, that uh, some of those things are going to be fixed anytime soon. But I do think that if we reform the Supreme Court uh, simply by uh, figuring out ways to get more Democrats on there and stack it up, um, then it's not going to solve the legitimacy problem of the Supreme Court. It's just that we'll win more cases for a while, um, which, as a partisan, as somebody who thinks there's a right way to think about uh, women's reproductive health, that there's a better way to think about uh, you know, equality uh, for, for uh, you know, the LGBTQ plus community, you know, it would be, I, I would much prefer us winning five to four than losing six to three. Um, but what I'd, I'd like even more is for us to find ways in which we can get to a point where, um, that, that where justices bring their own perspective to bear, but are willing to actually look at precedent and look at how society is moving and are making judgments uh, not based on uh, a bunch of